I'm looking forward to seeing what 2020 has. And right now, I'm just looking forward to seeing what God has this morning. Uh, it's been such a good service already. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, are you ready for 2020? I would assume from all the noise that proceeded after the question that there must be a lot of um, discussion that needs to take place. How many of you in this room have made a New Year's resolution or you've decided, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to eat better, I'm going to be more organized, I'm going to get more sleep, I'm going to exercise. Anybody here make a resolution like that? Well, I'm so glad you're here because I'm not going to do a thing to help you with that this morning. <laughs> Because I won't be honest with you, I did not make any resolution uh, in regards to my health. I do need to lose some weight because I'm beginning to not be able to wear all the clothes that are in my closet. And instead of buying a new wardrobe, I really would rather just be able to wear the ones I have. So I'm going to try to cut back a little bit on desserts. But so far in 2020, I've not been doing too good. But that is okay. Anybody here uh, make a resolution uh, and then you find yourself five days in going, oops. Anybody already done an oops with a resolution? Yeah, yeah. Many of us probably have. If you haven't already, uh, that's coming this week probably. <laughs> You're going to be going, oops, I didn't, uh, I didn't live up to that. I didn't get to fulfill that. Now, there's many of you in this room that are probably wiser than the rest of us, and you say, I'm not going to make any resolutions. I am just going to try to improve my life, and I'm going to live a better life. And you don't make a resolution with a goal or anything in mind, and, and that way you don't have to worry about failing like the rest of us. But for the rest of us failers in here, we are trying to uh, uh, put forth some effort to get better this year. And I'm glad you've come today, the first Sunday in in 2020, uh, coming to church is a great way to begin your year. But I am not here to help you with your New Year's resolution. I'm not here to tell you five ways to have a better family or, or, or three ways to lose weight or anything like that. What I'm here to do today is to tell you about the most important thing you can do to prepare yourself for 2020. I'm not talking about something that you have, may have already thought of. I'm going to be talking about something a little different. Let me remind you, you are in church. I'm not going to be up here. I'm not going to be trying to make you feel good or look good. I'm going to be here to tell you what Jesus has said. What His Word says for 2020. We're beginning a series today in the book of Matthew. And we will be in this book until Easter. Because we're going to be talking about Jesus between now and Easter. And we're looking in the book of Matthew to discover some things about the following Jesus. We are simply following Jesus around here at Chicopee. Now, sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. But I can tell you that the intent of our heart is to simply follow Jesus in everything we do. As we come to the book of Matthew, Matthew was one of the 12 disciples. And the book of Matthew... Each one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they have a particular theme because the writer that God used to write it had something on his mind a little different than one of the others. And for Matthew, he's addressing Jesus as king, and he talks a lot about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. He is writing to Jewish people. He is a Jewish man. He also 
when you begin to look at the book of Matthew, and, and I challenge you to do that this, this week, look back at chapters 1 and 2, which we're all familiar with because we just finished Christmas, right? You're going to see the lineage of David traced through his Jewish roots. You're going to see scriptures quoted from the Old Testament. You're going to see where he is talking about Jesus is the Messiah fulfilling these Old Testament uh, teachings. Can I tell you something? The Old Testament is important. Do not neglect the Old Testament. If you neglect the Old Testament, you do not get the full picture of Jesus and of God. So this morning, we are diving into the book of Matthew. And Matthew is called one of the four Gospels because the word gospel means, anybody know? Good news. Good news. Sally, who phoned her husband at work for a chat, and she knew he was busy, but... He replies to her on the phone, hello, and he realizes it's, it's his wife. He says, I'm sorry, dear, but I am covered up today. I don't have time to chat. Sally replied, but I've got some good news and some bad news for you. Okay, he said, but could you just give me the good news right now? She said, okay. I can tell you that the airbags work very well in our car. Good news and bad news. See, if the Gospels are called good news, they must be combating something called bad news. There is some good news contained in the Gospels. Today we're going to be coming upon a man and beginning in chapter 3 where I think the story, the story begins here with John. And John is a vital part to the Gospel story. Because I want to remind you that for 400 years, God had been silent. There was no prophets. There was no words from God. There wasn't even a dream. Then all of a sudden, an angel comes to Mary. An angel comes to Zacharias, which is the father of John that we're talking about. An angel comes to Mary and Joseph. And then there is a lot of time that passes between chapter 2 and chapter 3. How do I know that? Well, it's because John is now grown up. He is now preaching. John is only six months older than Jesus. John is the cousin of Jesus himself. John was six months along whenever Mary came to John's mother, Elizabeth, and the baby began to leap in her womb. And it was six months that she had been pregnant. Uh, three months that she had been pregnant. I gotta do my math. You know, being from Dahlonega, it's hard. It hurts sometimes. <laughs> Three months pregnant, the baby leaps, so he is six months older than Jesus. But as we come to John, I want us to examine some things in chapter three that's very critical about us understanding 2020 and what we can do now that will make 2020 better than we ever thought possible. I want you to get ready for the greatest year of your life. 
Now, if I was on TV, I could probably begin to tell you that you're going to be paying off your debts and you're going to have more money and all the problems in your life are going to go away. But I am not going to get up here and proclaim that because some of you are going to get more in debt. Your life is going to get worse. You're going to be told by the doctor that you got cancer or something. I'm telling you, somebody in this room may not even be sitting here next year. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you things are going to get better, but I'm going to tell you some good news that regardless of what comes in 2020, it can be the greatest year of your life. So as we look at John, what is John doing? Verse 1, chapter 3, Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, Notice here, Matthew is going back to the Old Testament again, using a prophecy, showing how this is fulfillment of prophecy as it uh, attaches to Jesus. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make His paths straight. The one thing that I really think that we need to understand about John here is that John prepares people for Jesus. That was his role. His preparation for what he was doing, his preparation, his mission was to prepare people for Jesus. The Old Testament prophecy points to that. See, preparation is critical. Tim can tell you, because Tim does a lot of painting, that if you don't prepare the surface well, you're going to have a problem when you paint. How many of you would like to bake a cake and not put any butter in the pan or not have a, a non-stick pan? Or how, how many of you would just not like to prepare at all for baking anything and just walk in your kitchen and go, well, I think I'll bake a cake today? It's not very fun if you don't prepare for something. But if you prepare, you can have something delicious, right? Like if you've got some peanut butter and chocolate. Uh, hold on now, that's not going to help my waistline a bit. Preparation is critical, and that is what John is doing. But John is a very odd fella. As a matter of fact, can I be as bold as to say if John was here in 2020, January the 5th, and walked through the doors of Chicopee Baptist Church, most of us would turn around and go, I hope he doesn't sit next to me. Because listen, listen to this. Verse 4. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair. Anybody here wearing camel hair? That's what I thought. <laughs> He had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and honey. Doesn't that sound like a delicious breakfast to start your day? Put that beside a cup of coffee, and man, he was an odd bird. Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea and all the district around Jordan. Now, hold on a second. This guy dressed weird, probably smelling weird, eating weird stuff, and everybody was flocking to him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. What in the world is going on? See, John's role was vital. Some may ask, well, why did God have to use John to prepare the way for Jesus? Isn't Jesus enough? Why does he even need pre preparing for God used John to prepare the hearts and the soul and the soil of the people and the culture to get ready for something that would radically change their life. Can I give you a, a heads up on this sermon? There's not one person in this room that cannot be a John the Baptist. Everybody in this room 
can prepare the hearts and minds and souls of people to receive Jesus Christ that will change their life. Every one of us can. Now, John is preparing people for Jesus. And the second thing I think is important is his message that he was preaching to the people to prepare them. John is proclaiming repentance over religion. Check out verse 2 here. The first word that he uses is what word? Repent. Come on, help me preach here. What's the first word? Repent. That's not very popular today, is it? Because if I declare to you that you need to repent, then I'm declaring to you that you have sinned and messed up and you need to repent. I may run you off, but listen, you need to repent. I need to repent. We live in a culture that needs to repent. Why is our society so bad? Because people are living under the idea that religion is more important than repentance. You cannot go to church and be right with God if you don't repent. Repentance makes the difference. Look at John here. The first thing he said was repent. But look at verse 6 through 11 with me. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed... Their sins. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know if we really want to go back to the New Testament idea. Because if you would like, uh, Jackie would love to fill up the baptismal pool up here. And if you'll just line up out there in the hall, we'll file you into the baptismal pool and you can just begin to tell us the sins that you'd like to confess. Well, last night... I don't think anybody in here would like to do that, right? <laughs> but that's what they were doing. John was saying you need to repent, and they were repenting. They were confessing their sins. They were saying, I have messed up. But repentance is more than just admitting you've done something wrong. Repentance is actually changing your mind and your actions. If repentance does not have a change of action, repentance really did not take place. Have you ever had somebody look at you and say, I'm sorry? And you knew they didn't mean it? Anybody here ever had somebody say, I'm sorry, and, 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 and it meant absolutely nothing? Because you knew they were not sorry. They were not repenting. They were just sorry because what? They got caught. Just because you get caught doesn't mean that you repent. Repentance is an attitude of the heart and the mind that must come together under God to say, God, you are in control. It's a change of direction. Like I said earlier, we, I got to spend a couple of days with our, our deacon ministers. And Friday night, it was raining and it was foggy. And we were going to the hotel. And I was leaving. We were the last ones to leave, my wife and I. And we're going down the road. She's talking to the kids. We come up to this intersection. I'm, I'm following the GPS and we need to turn left. The light turns green. I begin to turn left. It's a four-lane road. You know what I did? I turned left and I looked in the road and there is an arrow pointing at me to turn, you know, like this. I realized I just turned on the road and I'm going in the wrong direction on a one-way road. My heart begins to just... Oh, no, what am I going to do? Oh, it scared me. I was going in the wrong direction on a road. So I immediately went into the median 
and just hoped that I didn't get stuck and I got over on the other road in the right road. And there are tire marks left in the median where I was on the wrong side of the road. But I knew for a fact I was going in the wrong direction and something had to be done. Because if I continued in the direction I was going, number one, I could get arrested or caught. I could get in trouble. Somebody could die. There would be consequences if I continued to drive down the road in the wrong way. Not to mention my wonderful helper that sits right next to me in the, the passenger seat. That would have been in my ear the whole time. Honey, you're going to kill us. Honey, you got to get off this road. I'd have been hearing that constantly. But the thing is, I realized I'm going in the wrong direction and I must do something about it. That's what repentance is about. When you realize you're going in the wrong direction, when you realize you're headed in, in the wrong way, and you repent, you do something about it. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It just means you do something. So John is proclaiming repentance over religion. See, religion versus repentance. Religion is self-centered. The gospel makes it God-centered when it comes to repentance. Religion is sorry for the consequences. The gospel is sorry for sin against God. In religion, the only hope is to live good enough so that God will bless you and forgive you. With the gospel, we realize there's no way for us to measure up. And God forgives us regardless. And all we got to do is come to Him under grace and mercy. J.D. Greer said, John... Religion is going to delude more people out of repentance and send them to hell than rebellion ever will. We must be careful not to be religious in 2020, but be repentant. We often want enough of God to make us happy, but not enough of God to make us holy. May that not be for 2020. May we want God to change our lives and make us holy, not just happy. That's repentance. So John is declaring repentance. My actions will reflect my heart. You give people enough time and they're going to reveal who they truly are. We know that. But if a person is truly repentant, if you are repentant and your actions are showing that, then praise God. But if they are not, you need to do more business with the king. Third thing is that John declares access to God and His kingdom. John declares that, that repentance is more important than religion. As a matter of fact, when, when you read on, you find that the religious elite were coming toward John. And John could tell because of the way they were dressed. I mean, if I was walking down the street on a Sunday, how many of you would think, well, he must have been to church, right? I look like I've been to church, right? Because the way I'm dressed. John sees these men coming. John could have said, well, it's about time. I'm glad they're here. I'm going to be very careful what I say so that maybe they can hear the message and they will you know, support me and I can get their backing. But instead, John the Baptist looks at them, Matt, and he goes, you brood of vipers! <laughs> That's a way to start, isn't it? He says, you brood of vipers. And he goes on to say to them, you think that just because you're a Jew and you, you are in the lineage of Abraham, that you're going to be okay. John says, well, God can cause these rocks to come up and praise Him. God can cause these rocks to be like the children of, of Abraham. 
But unless you repent, it does not matter how much church you attend, how much Bible you read, what your background is with your mama and daddy. If you do not repent before God, you will not be right before Him. It's not about religion. It's about repentance. And John declares that it does not matter how bad you've been, how poor you are, you have access to Him. See, these people did not have that in this time. God was at a distance. God was in the temple. God spoke through the prophets. Prophets haven't said anything in 400 years. This man was dressed really poor. He had camel hair as his clothes. But he began to declare, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. other words, access to the kingdom of heaven is near, some translation says. You can have access to the kingdom of God. That is a radical idea. So let me tell you today, it does not matter what kind of New Year's Eve celebration you did or what life you have lived in 2019, what life you want to live in 2020. Jesus is accessible to you today. Doesn't matter your name, doesn't matter your background. Well, Pastor, you don't understand what I've done. No, I don't. But I can tell you this according to Scripture, according to God's Word, Jesus is acceptable, accessible to you. He is accessible to you. The kingdom of heaven matters. We need to live like it does. We need to live like in 2020, the kingdom of God matters and that being holy is more important than being happy. Now, pastor, do you mean I can't be happy? That is not what I said. I did not say that you cannot be happy, but what I can tell you is this, that God is more concerned about your holiness than he's happy, your happiness. Somebody needs to write that down. I'm going to say it again, just so you can get all of it. In 2020, God will be more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. But I can tell you this, as you become more holy, you're going to find yourself a lot happier. Because you will not be trying to live up to the standards of this world and to other people. You'll be living up to the standards of God's Word and His truth and what He's declared for you. You'll understand who you are in Christ. That's how 2020 can be great. Look at verse 11 and 12. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, John said. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire. I got a message for someone today. And I need you to listen very carefully. Someone may think, you may be in this mindset, and I hope it's not you, but I just believe God wants me to share this with somebody. You may think you can live 2020 like you have 2019. But you want to do great things, so you're going to try to build your kingdom and do some great things in this world. But can I tell you, God is a sorting God. We can see right here in this scripture 
that God takes the wheat and with the winnowing fork, He separates the good wheat from the chaff. Here's what would happen. Is the weed would grow up, it would look like the wheat, and you couldn't get it out from the wheat until it became harvest time. And what they would often do is they'd throw, up, throw it up in the air and it would come down into this winnowing fork type of uh, uh, apparatus and the wheat would go through but the chafe would not and so it would separate it. If you're not careful, God wants to bless you and help you and help you become holy and do great things in your life. But if you refuse to repent and make Him the Lord of your life, He's going to separate you from the wheat. He's not going to be able to bring it into your life. Because until you repent and receive that word from God, He cannot give you anything else. I'm reminded of my roots. I stayed Thursday night with my mom up in Dahlonega. And one of the things that we'd often have when I was a little, little boy growing up was pinto beans and cornbread. Anybody here remember pinto beans and cornbread? How many of you would love to have some good pinto beans and cornbread for lunch? Maybe a, a slice of onion, you know, and just fresh out of the oven. Come on now. Now I've got y'all all excited about the message. We're talking about food. But I remember watching my mom. When we would have pinto beans, you know what she'd do? She'd open up that bag of pinto beans. She'd pour them on the table. How many of you do pinto beans now? You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Miss Jane? You, you, you know. Because what you do is you pour those pinto beans out and you begin to look through them. What are you looking for? Those little bitty rocks. Those little bitty rocks that are posing as pinto beans. Because the last thing you want to happen is to bite down on one of those rocks. Amen? You want those pinto beans? You want them soft? You want to... There are people among us with hard hearts like rocks because they refuse to repent. And God is going to sort and He wants to see every single person come to that place where He is Lord of their life. But if they refuse, He's going to begin to move them out. He's going to say, nope, I can't give you all this until you deal with where you are. So John's message of repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's good news and it's bad news. Good news is that His forgiveness is available to all of us. His blessings are there, but they're not automatic. The bad news is, is we all have fallen short of God's purpose for our life. We've messed up. We've sinned. But God's forgiveness is available. And we must, must seek that. Now here's the one thing I want you to know about your future, my future, your future of 2020. If you want something great to happen in 2020, it's not going to be measured by your portfolio or the status of your circumstances, how much you weigh, or your wardrobe. If you want to do something great in 2020, get ready for this because your future is determined by your priority of Jesus Christ in your life. 
John was preparing the way and saying, Make ready the way for who? For Jesus. Because no other name mattered at that point. He must become great. I must become smaller, John would declare. And when it comes to our future, we must make Him greater and us smaller. See, as we move forward, we must be thinking that we want to be okay. But there are some commercials on TV. I don't know if you've seen them lately. But that says, okay is just not good enough. Have you seen some of those? I just love them. I think they're hilarious. They're funny. I love funny commercials. Okay is not good enough when it comes to Jesus Christ. Jesus can either be Lord of your life or He's not. You can either view your sin in light of Jesus or your own personal feelings. And let me tell you, Seeing them in light of Jesus will have a better return than the other. Jesus, the priority that Jesus is your priority. He's not one of many priorities. Can I tell you that Jesus is my priority? I may not always get it right, but He's my priority. He takes priority over my wife and my kids. And that's a little hard to say because I love my wife and my kids. I will fight you over them. You want to see me take my pastor hat off? Start messing with my family. (laughs) But I love Jesus more than my kids. He's more of a priority. He's more of a priority than my calendar, than my bank account. I'm sorry. I love you, church, but Jesus is more of a priority than you are. If I have a choice between you and Jesus, I'm choosing Jesus every time. But I can tell you, because of choosing Jesus, I'll be able to love you like I've never been able to love you before. We want people to think we're okay, don't we? We want people to think that we're all right. We love to put on those plastic faces as we talked about before. Last week, I believe there's... Christian and Jordan sang a song about plastic people, plastic faces, plastic churches. Putting on the, I'm all right, I'm okay. That does not work with God. And you will not be able to continue to live with a plastic face before Him. So what must you do? Let me declare to you, first and foremost, you need to repent. You need to repent and commit to living God's way. Commit to living God's way in 2020. It's not about new priorities. It's about Jesus being the priority. It's not about church attendance. It's about being so in love with Jesus, you can't wait to get here to be part of worship like we had this morning. Man, that was so good. I didn't even want to preach. It's about not having to go to church, but getting to go. To be here. It's not about having to talk to somebody about Jesus. Getting to tell somebody about Jesus. Yes! So not only do we need to repent, commit to living God's way, we need to share Jesus. John the Baptist was preparing the way, and the way he did it was not by putting up a billboard, setting up a website, 
and living a very nice life. I want everybody to see Jesus and me. I'm going to be good, good, good. I ain't going to say a word about Jesus, but people are just going to know I know Jesus, and they're going to come to know Jesus because I'm just so good. They're going to look at me and say, man, I wish I could be as good as him. He's good looking. He's good natured. He's just good. How's that been working out for you? How many people have come to faith in Christ because you've just been living a good life? So let me share with you January 5th, 2020, a word from the Lord. Share Jesus with somebody this year. If you want to do something great, share Jesus with people, open your mouth and talk about Him. Well, I don't know all the answers, Pastor. I don't see anywhere in here where it says you have to have all the answers. Jesus didn't say when He was going up... Now, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And when, once you understand all of theology and all of Scripture, and you've got answers for all the questions that you may ever get asked, I want you to go out and make disciples of all nations. He just said, go. Go and make disciples of all nations. We get so caught up with wanting God to make us happy, we forget about there's a whole bunch of people around us who needs Jesus so they can become holy. Our problem isn't with the people, it's that they're sinners, they're messed up, they need Jesus. And if they would get Jesus, they would treat us better, they would treat people around us better. And if they knew Jesus, we would see a difference in 2020. But instead, we want to say, Oh God, can't you remove them out of my life? Get rid of them. Make them move to another subdivision. Do something. How about just tell them about Jesus and let God radically change their life. And the next thing you know, you're best of friends. And, and, and people are going, how did that happen? True story. There was a woman. Her name was Cherie Bird. This was 2007, 6, 2006. She had broken relationships all around her. Her neighbors hated her. Her family hated her. The people she worked with hated her. She had broken relationships everywhere. One day it just so happened I was at the church on a Friday. And I was asked to go speak to this lady because she had questions about Jesus. And I sat down and I talked with her. Told her about Jesus and I prayed with her and everything. And I walked away. Miss Bennett, it was back when Trinity was at Chestnut Mountain. One month later, I received a phone call. She was dead. She was a mother of two young children. She died. It wasn't a car accident. She just had the flu, wasn't feeling good. She had contracted gestational diabetes. And she was a diabetic and she had the flu. She was sick. Her husband went in on a Sunday morning, check on her, brought her something to, to drink and something to eat. He went back out and he watched football. That afternoon he went in. She was dead. A mother gone. I get this phone call that she had passed away, and I'm like, uh, uh, why, one, why are you calling me? 
Can't you call another pastor? Now, I didn't say this, okay? Just so you know. I'm thinking in my head, why don't you call like the senior pastor or somebody who can handle a death situation? Why me? I'm just a children's pastor. Come on. But what did I do? I immediately got in a car. I went over to their house. Met with her husband. Actually, I went up to the hospital first. She was up there. I went up to the hospital. And I met her sister. The first words out of her mouth when she realized who I was, she said, thank you. My response was, for what? What did I do? Why are you thanking me? And I think I said something about like that. Because I'd had one conversation with this woman one time in a, on an afternoon and totally had forgotten about it. She looked at me and she said, She gave her life to Christ when she talked to you. She had reconciled every relationship in the family. She had reconciled relationships with her neighbors around her. She was involved in a women's Bible study at Christ's place. What? Are you kidding me? This woman was living a life where there's brokenness all around her. But once she received Jesus Christ, there was healing, and I had no idea it was taking place. And thanks be unto God, when they asked me to do the funeral, I was able to stand and say, this woman has been changed by Jesus, and you people know it. Because they knew she was different. If you want to do something great in 2020, talk about Jesus. Don't focus so much on losing weight. I got news for you. I'm not going to stop eating peanut butter balls. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing I'm going to do as your pastor. I'm going to talk about Jesus to people that do not go to this church more. I'm going to have to be a little more intentional when I'm at Walmart or in the elevator at the hospital because there is a group of people, a culture, they don't need a new president. They need Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what they need. And I want to do everything I can to try to get it to them. C.H. Spurgeon said, Have you no wish for others to be saved? Question mark then you are not saved yourself, be sure of that, he said. Here's the seven-day challenge for you. As a matter of fact, you could make this a 365-day challenge if you want. But for over the next week, between now and next Sunday, I want you to talk with someone about Jesus and invite them to go to church somewhere. Did I say... Invite them to Chicopee. No, I did not. Because it's not about them coming here. It's about them knowing Jesus and getting in a church somewhere. I'm not up here to proclaim, let's build this thing up and get hundreds of people in here. I want to see hundreds and thousands of people in the kingdom of God. So have a conversation with someone about Jesus and invite them to go to church somewhere. If they want to come here, do me a favor. Meet them out front. 
If you invite somebody to come, say, I'll be waiting for you at the Welcome Center or out front out here or in the parking lot. I guarantee you, if they know you're waiting on them, you know what they're probably going to do? They're going to probably show up because you're going to be waiting on them. The message of Jesus Christ will change lives and radically change yours when you give it away. So what will you do in 2020? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for John the Baptist as he prepared the way for Jesus, for the people. And Lord, I pray right now that God, the hearts of the people are prepared to receive you as their Savior, but also as their Lord. That Jesus will be their priority in 2020. That they can be part of a story that they don't even realize is going on. Where lives are being transformed simply because they had a conversation about Jesus with somebody. We're so afraid of offending people, Father, but we are offended all the time by people. So God, let us not be afraid of offending people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That He is the hope of the world. That if we are separated from You because of sin, because of things that we've done wrong, we don't have to dress up and fix up. All we got to do is ask You to forgive us and take over our life. As a matter of fact, right now in this room, there may be somebody who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Would you just right now ask God to forgive you and take over your life? Just ask Him to forgive you and take over your life right now. Lord, this morning, may your Holy Spirit do business with the people in this room. In Jesus' name.